very excited that you are here. Very excited I am here. Very excited he is here. Hal Schmidt is the owner, winemaker. He and Victoria, his wife, have uh, Volatus wine in Paso. They're uh, on the 46 West Anderson Road. What is up, my man? How are you? Uh, just happy to be up at Adam in the morning with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, it's so good to see you, man. Yeah, it's been a while, but uh, great to be here again and talk some fun stuff. I uh, I don't know that I've had you in very much without wine. It's a little early, so I haven't had you in this early <laughs> without wine before. Probably even hung out with you without wine. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure we have hung out without wine before. So I wanted to bring you in here, and of course we have this music on here. And it's so cool because um, Hal is a, uh, he's retired from the Navy, but he still works with them. We're going to explain that. Uh, Lieutenant Commander, F-18 fighter pilot, a Top Gun instructor. You literally did everything. I mean, this movie was very similar to what you did in the Navy. You know, Top Top Gun Maverick, everything that you see there are things that people do in the Navy on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Did the mo- You saw the movie, of course. I, I have seen the movie. Yep. And you said it was like your first time to the theater in like a while. It's probably the first time I've been to the, to the theater in maybe 10 years. What'd you think of it? You know, I thought it was great. Uh, Did you? I, I'll give it, you know, a scale of 10, probably 9, 9.5. Yeah. Oh, that's great. It was, it was very entertaining. The cinematography was spectacular. I always have to recognize that I'm not necessarily the target audience for this, but... It, it, they did a great job. Well, it. because you know all the behind the scenes. So for you to be impressed with that, I think, shows that they went to a lot of lengths to really get it right. They, they did, especially with the flying. And that was a lot of credit to the, the Navy and the technical advisors uh, from the service, but, but also to Tom Cruise, quite honestly, because he and Paramount decided that in order to do this movie and, and do it justice, they wanted to put the actors in the airplanes and to use as much real footage and as little CGI as they could. Now, when you talk about some... I saw this interview with the director or someone like that. And he was talking about they had to get like this incredibly hard clearance. And and then they had like the, the floor level of where they were allowed to fly. They needed to go even below that and had to get even like deeper clearance to go like something like stupid, like 30 feet off the ground or something. They they did that a couple times in the in the movie. And there's good reasons in the in the... Uh, somewhat interesting plot as to why they did that. Yeah, yeah. But they did have to get specific clearance from the Navy as well as some of the places they flew to get that low. And then they chose a pilot very specifically for it, a former Blue Angel that is that is used to being in that low altitude environment. But the the scene where the jet comes through uh, thirty or twenty feet is is spectacular. I know it's pretty it's pretty gnarly. Were, were there anything? Was there anything in there that is like, oh, that's just not that can't happen? Like, the, you know, I know again, no spoilers. But I mean, like, where they're up the mountain, turn around, coming down, and like, are these all, are these all things and maneuvers that you've done at some point? Yeah, they they are. That, uh, the crazy wow. thing is, if I go in the way back machine to when I was learning to fly the F eighteen in what was called strike phase, where you learn to to drop bombs. Yeah. The graduation exercise was a, a low level ingress, and then you would pop up at forty five degree angle over mountains in Fallon, Nevada, roll over on your back, and then uh, deliver bombs forty five degrees nose low. So that. That was called the Hornet High Pop. It is not too much for a tactic these days, but that's absolutely realistic. Wow. And then th- that one part, they're pulling some serious Gs. What kind of Gs you pull? They do. So the, the F-18, most of the F-18 models, there's what's called a limiter that will keep you at about 7.5 Gs. Although if you can go beyond that to just over 8, but some of what they needed to do, and, and you would do this quite honestly in real life, if the... You know, there was terrain was a factor or potentially defeating a surface-to-air missile. You had to maneuver the jet 
greater than seven and a half, uh, you would hit what's called the paddle switch, and you might actually see somebody hitting the paddle switch in the movie, and you can exceed that up to the aerodynamic limits, which may be nine or ten Gs in the airplane. So what does that switch do? I guess I don't understand. What does the paddle so, switch really do? The F-18, the airplane used in Top Gun Maverick, is it was called a fly-by-wire jet. And so you, you maneuver the controls, and then the computers figure out exactly how it's going to make that happen. the controls Got make it. that happen. Okay. And by normal, in all normal circumstances, as you pull back on that stick, it will limit you to 7.5 Gs. Yeah. But when you hit the paddle switch, it disables that, that safety feature. If oh, you and gives you full authority of the controls to maneuver. What's happening to your head, your eyeballs, your insides when you're pulling seven, eight, nine Gs? You know, the best way to think about it is most folks like me, I weigh, I weigh 200 pounds. Under five Gs, I now weigh 1,000 pounds. What? Under Yeah, so it's a, it's a multiplier. And what it is is all of that blood is the most, the biggest impact is you get very heavy. Yeah. But then all of the blood wants to go from your head and your upper body down into your legs. Stop it. So there, there's some issues with staying awake. There's sure. Uh, G-induced Yeah, because of all that blood's out of your head. Exactly. And then your brain does not function for long without blood. So as, as your body's getting heavier, that blood is trying to go down towards your feet. And so you need to stay awake, uh, which is... But that's, which that's, that's not up to you. How do you do that? You can't tell, stay awake. How? You can't just do that, but they, they train you. It's called the NEG straining maneuver. Please tell will, me. And you will see the guys do this in the movie. Um, because all the actors are in real jets. Yeah. So when you're seeing them under G-Force, they're actually under the G-Force. And so you, it, it's a combination of, of squeezing the muscles in your lower legs and uh, oh. very specific breathing techniques. And it, it allows you to stay awake through high G performance. What's the breathing? Uh, the breathing is very short breaths where yeah. you're going to breathe about once every two to three seconds. Uh, you kind of hold that in. Whoa. It, it's... I won't yeah. do it here because it sounds really odd. Yeah, but, but uh, it, 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 this, is this is this something that is hard to do? You really gotta. It's a lot of mind, you know, mind games. But it's a lot of mind self talk, right? Absolutely. You need you need Dang. to be doing this aggressively yeah. while you are fighting and flying the jet. Okay, so you're impressed with the movie. You pulled some G's. Uh, everything you saw is something that you know you've done in a jet. Do you have a certain plane that's yours? Like they walk up to their plane and it says like, now you you have the, the badass jacket. You uh, bull bull was your flight name, right? Bull bull is my call sign. Call yep. sign. Yep. Call sign. Yeah. So you have everybody and most everybody in the squadron. So a normal squadron has about twelve airplanes. Yeah. And everybody who's a pilot in the squadron will have their name painted on at least one of those airplanes. So there was a plane that said an F eighteen that said bull on it. There was. That's so, so dope. H R Bull Schmidt. What was that had, like to have a thing a plane an F eighteen that says bull your name on it? You know, it's I, like it was really cool. I, yeah. I'd, love to, I'd love to be uh, somewhat down uh, downplay it, but it was awesome. Yeah, when sure you see was. that for the first time, it, it was amazing. Yeah, and then um, what's what's the hardest part about all this? Is it is it launching off this aircraft carrier with no room? Is it is it landing on literally like a piece of rice in the ocean, and then they, this like hanger catches you or this hook? I mean, <laughs> what what about either of those was more difficult? You know, the, the most challenging portion of it, I think any naval aviator would say this, landing on the carrier at night, oh, particularly dude. on the carrier at night in bad weather, is the most stressful thing that you can do. Because the carrier's moving. The carrier's moving in just about every dimension possible, and it is dark out in the middle of the ocean. Think of that. Stop right there. It's moving in every direction possible. That means it's going... It's also tipping. It's also bobbing up and down. That's really something. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pitching and rolling and heaving yeah. and moving forward. Yeah. 
Wow. And, oh, by the way, the landing area is offset 11 degrees from the axis of the ship. So as the ship is just steaming forward, your, your runway is always moving to the right. Right. Oh, my gosh. Is that right? It is. Whoa. And so doing that in the daytime, beautiful weather. You get used to it. Actually, it could be pretty fun. Uh, at nighttime, it should always be scary. When the weather's bad, though, it is... It, it will um, it will pucker you like nothing else. It, even more stressful than combat is when you um, the, the whole idea of the eject button. Is this something that you have to practice, or is it only something you will use if you really need it? You, and there is an ejection trainer that they do. Uh, yeah, it's on a periodicity. I think it's every four years you have to do it, where they teach you the appropriate body position, and it, it's a very it's a benign simulator. Okay, but it is something you think about, and it's certain things that you brief every time you go flying. What are those specific conditions that would, would cause you to eject from the airplane? Do you have one of those red um, things that says pull before flight? Do you have any of those at the house or anything? Or? Uh, I've got those all over. Those are so all, cool. All of my keys are removed before flight. Yeah, that is so awesome. <laughs> I want to get one of those. Are they gettable? Like, can you get one? I, I can get you a few of those. That was cool because my uh, my friend was in the Air Force, and he had one on his backpack, and I just thought that was so badass. Yeah, I, I can get you a couple of those. Yeah, oh, my God, how cool. Well, we're going to come <laughs> back. We're going to continue talking to uh, Hal Schmidt just about this whole movie. And then I also want to talk about his wine. Uh, he's got a, a great wine. But um, it's, and then his Top Gun Cuvée, we've got to talk about that. I'm so curious, like, how, if, if the sales of that maybe has done better because of the movie and more. Um, Call Sign Bull is in studio, F-18 fighter pilot, Top Gun instructor, and Paso Robles owner and winemaker. We'll be back. It's Up and Adam in the morning. You're Up and Adam in the morning. Up and Adam in the morning. The Crush 92.5. Up and Adam in the morning. It is The Crush 92.5 in studio. Retired from the U.S. Navy. F-18 fighter pilot, top gun instructor and Paso owner, winemaker of Velatus Wine, Westside 46 and Anderson Road. Hal Bull Schmidt. You realize Bull Schmidt it sounds awfully close. It sure does. It sure does. Was this on purpose or is this funny or is this just the way it ended up? I think that's how it started. And yeah. And then, you know, you, call signs are, are kind of, they're somewhat fickle in that you, they're not always set until you do something. That, that kind of solidifies better, it? Exactly. Yeah. You do something kind of silly. And, and for me, it was, uh, I'll tell a quick story. Please. Some folks have heard this. Uh, I was in an F-18 and we do a lot of air-to-air -air refueling. And so I was doing one of these tanking missions. I was just learning and I didn't do it right. And a couple pieces of the airplane are these 90-degree uh, protrusions from the nose of the jet. And I, I bent them when I was doing this. Oh, so, no. It's probably like a $400,000 mistake. It, it was an expensive mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they made me pay for it in that they took those off the airplane, strapped them on a helmet, kind of looking like bull's horns. Oh. Like, hey, you, you, you want to be bull, you can... Uh, you can wear this helmet around and, and look silly. And uh -huh. from that point, I think I was uh, I was solidified as bull. Are you very tight with your squadron or your crew? Are there little mini nemesis in there, like like Top Gun kind of illustrated, or what? You know, in the movie, they they, they show there's a lot of personalities there, and there is a there is a huge amount of ego in the fighter pilot community, and to, and to some degree, you have to have that. Yeah. If you're gonna, gonna strap on one of these jets and go out and fly and fight. You need to have that level of ego and aggressiveness. But really, within a squadron, you don't see that too often. It's very tight-knit. You end up spending more time with your squadron mates and your ready room pilots than you do with your family uh, for a lot of the time you're in the Navy. Now, I try and ask questions like this with the utmost respect to your service. and um, But I'm curious, 
as far as what you want to and are able to tell me as far as any missions you've done. You know, I know sometimes asking these questions can be, you know, you got to do it in a very respectful way. And I, I just want to make sure that you know that. So uh, what, what type of things can you tell me missions that you as an F-18 fighter pilot would be uh, directed to do? So a couple different times. Most of what you hear about pilots doing, I'll talk to routine missions. And most routine missions are, are, are training. With that, with that said, though, they're very, very intense and, and incredibly dangerous on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, when you, you're, you're training the entire time and ultimately you will deploy uh, on an aircraft carrier, uh, like you see in the film, and then you'll be, you'll be tasked, depending upon what the, the folks in Washington and the politicians want you to do, uh, different mission sets. Some of it may be just presence where you go out and, and you sail the carrier through a certain location and you put the airplanes up so that, that other folks see those. Oh, God. And it might go all the way to the, the, the kind of the extreme where when the command authority decides they're going to uh, attack a specific set of targets on the ground, then you're given those targets and then you go in and, and hit them. So do you, have, do you know like a couple days in advance, do you get pulled into like a room and say, okay, here we're going, we're in the Middle East, you're going to go into this thing and like, what, like, like bomb a tent? Or bomb a building? Or what What have you been asked to, like, what do you do? I, I think guys have been asked to, to bomb each of those things. Yeah, uh, sure. And, and it, it's going to be, sometimes you will get that advance notice. Other times it is you're already airborne. And they say, hey, um, whatever your call sign might be, my last deployment, a Camelot 4-1 need you to contact this specific controller on this frequency. They have tasking for you. And so it might be on the fly and you figure it out in, you know, 30 seconds to a minute or... Another one that we experienced way back when, we were about halfway across the Pacific. Uh, tasking came in that said, you are going to hit this. And so we practiced for the next week uh, those mission sets out in the middle of the ocean. Really? Wow. And then have, has they ever asked you, like, have you ever, like, you ever, like fired the, the gun, the missile? The, I mean, obviously, I, I, I imagine you're training and the ability to do what we saw in Top Gun or what they were hoping they wouldn't have to get involved with, like, you know, the dog fights and things like that. Like, you're ready for them, but I imagine you, you probably don't want to have to do them, or do you in a way? You, you know, it, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a challenging mindset there where, big picture, you really don't want, you know, you'd love things to be nice and peaceful and you'd love everybody to get along. Um, and so that, that's obviously option number one is, is you'd like to solve this uh, any crisis through a diplomatic means where nobody gets hurt. But on the opposite side of this, you are, if something does happen, you want to be the one there. Yeah. Because you can trust your skill set, you can trust your judgment um, and decision making to, to do it right and to meet whatever uh, the command authority wants. What's it like to f uh, fire a missile? You, you know, honestly, it's pretty cool. Uh, uh, it is. <laughs> is it literally like a button, like a red button that says, like, fire? What does it look like? You know, depending upon the aircraft, it's either going to be a trigger that is on your stick okay, or a button that you would use with your thumb. That's oh, a button, interesting, called sweet. the pickle button. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I train folks in the F-35 now, and missiles are the pickle button. In the F-18, just like they'll show in the movie, you launch missiles with the trigger. Yeah. And it is... It, the thing about when, when you first launch a missile from the airplane, whether it's air-to-air -air or air-to-surface missile, it's just amazing how fast the, the, the missile body leaves the airplane. Really? It is unbelievably fast. Uh, and then do you even see what it hits or no? Most You're long gone. It depends. Uh, you know, I've dropped weapons where they impacted and I was 80 miles away. Whoa. Uh, on the opposite side, you, you can launch missiles and you may be... Yeah. Four or five thousand feet from whatever it hits. Really? So sometimes you'll you'll see it directly there with your eyes. You have sensors that can look at it. 
And other times, in the case, say, when, when we were 80 miles away, we had other assets that were looking at that target area. What are, what are you doing, like, no-fly zones and things like that? You know, we've done, I've done no, a lot of no-fly zone uh, enforcement. Yeah. It's when, when it's either the U.S. or more often than not, United Nations would say, hey, we, we don't want anybody flying in this particular location. Right. And you would put airplanes into uh, a geographic area and make sure that no one else flies. Yeah. And then be prepared. If they do, you have to regulate Chief Ankara. Uh You do. It yeah. is um, the, the, the challenge of a no-fly zone, and interestingly, fairly topical uh, uh-huh. <laughs> for current events. Right. Uh, the, the implied um, enforcement of a no-fly zone is shooting something down. Yeah. Man, what is up? This is and, and you used to we we started our last segment with uh with Hal and he was saying that the movie I mean you were relatively impressed with the movie. The movie did a really good job at, at showing what you exactly did in the Navy. They did. It was it, it was the intention to show the fighter pilot experience as close as possible. The cinematography they used, I I forget what it is, but Five cameras in every cockpit. Yeah. Cameras on the outside of the jets. And they put the actors in the planes? They did. That was now, a requirement. Now they, but obviously the actors aren't flying the planes. What are they riding in the back seat? They are. They used the, the two seat F 18, the okay. F 18 F. And they, they made that depending upon which character it was. If mm-hmm. they were a, a WIZO, a weapon systems operator, it would, it would look just like the back cockpit. If it was, if they were supposed to be a pilot, it would make it look like the, the forward cockpit. Yeah. But they, they took them all flying and wow. they got to experience the, uh, the challenge of being in a fighter aircraft. Is it like were you just kind of bit the first time that you felt those that speed and that whole thing? You know, I, I like I got to do wanted, this. I always wanted to do it. My, my Did father you? was Did the you? Air Force. I grew up only wanting to be a fighter pilot. Wow! And was incredibly fortunate to get to do that and and also do it at Top Gun for five years. It, it was amazing, and every time you strap on that airplane, it is incredible. Tom Cruise plays a flight and he plays a Top Gun instructor. You did the same thing. What work? What were you instructing these? Um, students, young men and women to do? At, at Top Gun, specific SME or, or subject matter uh, expert areas, uh, I was the AIM-120 missile. It was an air-to-air missile. I did what was called air-to-air employment, so all the, the Navy and Marine Corps air-to-air tactics. Uh, subsequent tours at Top Gun, air-to-air mission planning. So I, I was always an air-to-air guy in that role of taking out enemy fighters. And then I was a flight instructor also. We taught everything from basic uh, fighter maneuvering or BFM, which is dogfighting, all the way through multi-plane engagements. Is there an aspect of this that's um, almost like sport-like competitive? I mean, obviously, you need to have a lot of athleticism and and might and will and courage to do that. I mean, we're talking about dogfighting in the air. and I mean, um, but is there almost like, there's a scene in the movie where they're doing like these dogfights that are just kind of like, you know, they're drills. It's like, okay, got you, got you. You know what I mean? They they. You know, they are somewhat uh, drills. Uh, they are, at least to start, they're scripted. Yeah. And then you see where they go. Oh, and wow. it is very, they're incredibly dynamic. Things are happening at incredible rates of speed a- and under the G-forces we talked about previously. Right. And there is there is a, a sport component to it. But interestingly, you always have in the back of your mind that, you know, in a, in a 1v1 engagement, there is one winner. And unfortunately, the person who loses is most often going to die. When, uh, where are you doing these things? A lot of the, the training we're going to do, like honestly, locally. Yeah. You can uh, you can sit and watch some of this stuff locally. If you look on the west side of Paso Robles, yeah. there's an airspace there that's over uh, Fort Hunter Liggett and Camp Roberts. It extends down to about Highway 46, just south of, of Midnight and our tasting room. Yeah, uh, they do a lot of one v one air combat practice. Really? There. Absolutely. 
Yeah, on Westside Paso, you're going to hear those afterburners going all the time, and it's usually guys practicing maneuvers like this. Wow, unbelievable. Um, in the uh, in the film, there was a female fighter pilot. I'm wondering how common that is. You know, it's become a lot more common. I, I think when I started, oh, cool. there were, uh, we maybe had uh, two to three F-18 pilots across the force. Mm-hmm. Uh, these days, you're probably five to ten percent. Uh, female pilots as well as weapon systems operators. So in, in a squadron of 20 pilots, you will have uh, two to four females. Uh, fairly normal, integrate exactly with everything else everyone else does. You have a Top Gun cuvee. Uh, and of course, your whole, I mean, the name <laughs> Velatus is Latin for flight. What um, Have you noticed like some, some you know, wind beneath the wings, no pun intended, pun a little intended, uh, with the wine after the movie? You know, it's, it's, been, it's been a good boost for us and I think it will continue to be as Sales are on afterburners. <laughs> so stupid, sorry. You know, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> Victoria, if you're listening, use that. Right, yeah. Um, no, it is. When there's interest in fighter aviation and naval aviation, that helps us overall. And having the Top Gun Cuvée as our, one of our Bordeaux blends, it, it's, it's a fun wine. What is it about flight and service to our country that are almost like once it's in your blood and veins, it never leaves? I think of like Sherm Smoot. A Bella Luna. I think of even the conversation we have with like Leon Tackett. Yep. You know, just different types of service. And then when you mix the flight stuff in there, I mean, it's just like, I mean, I know in your tasting room, you got these like uh, big gun barrels in there. Uh, in Sherm's man cave, he's got like a jet engine as a glass coffee table. Yep. So badass. Uh, what, what is it about that that just is just like forever through your veins and your fiber? You know, I, I think aviation in of itself if you look back to the beginning where they, you had people excited by this this these people uh, breaking the bonds and getting up in the air whether it's the, the barnstormers or some of the early aviation feats that people saw it just it became a part of uh, of and just humans being excited yeah and it still is and the things that the airplanes can do now whether it is military airplanes or some of the air show circuit with these aerobatic performers it is just it's dynamic it's exciting and if we can Help, help people be excited by aviation. I'm, I'm loving to do that. And oh, by the way, if you can help me sell wine, I'll, I'll take that also. Are you um, any close calls in the air? Uh, plenty of close calls in the air. Uh, you, you talk to anybody. A- aviation is inherently dangerous and unforgiving. Uh, you put it into fighter aviation, it, it's it's absolutely crazy. The number of times that you know an airplane goes whizzing by you inside of 50 feet, you really don't want that. But it happens, and you recognize that well, you're you're just you're happy to be there. Uh, or nights behind the boat for trying to land uh, very challenging weather on an aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean. It can be it can be not only exciting but remarkably dangerous. What kind of work are you still doing with the Navy? I know you're instructing on the F-35s. I do. I'm an F-35 contract instructor pilot, so I do all simulator work with them. We we train all of the uh, folks that are learning to fly F-35, whether it's uh, flying it, fighting it. Uh, we we teach them everything about the airplane so they can get out there and if they need to use the skill set, they they have it. Oh, is the F-35 way more fun to fly than the F-18? Well, that, that's that's challenging one. I think if I had to go into combat, I'd want to be an F-35. If I just want to go have true fun in the air, mm-hmm. I'm going to take an early model F-18 any day of the week. It's early model, huh? F-18 Alpha, that was a rocket ship. Yeah, wow. Is that, was, your, is that, was that your, like, one? Was that your, like, your, uh, then? No, we, we, we flew F-18As at Top Gun yeah. in an adversary role. We, we simulated that aircraft, and we also did a lot of our 1v1 in those. Uh to me, the best F-18 for combat, but it was the F-18E, so the Super Hornet. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
tremendous fuel, good avionics package on it. It was uh, it was a fun airplane. Are airplanes still the best in the world? They're up there. There yeah. there are are some countries the best, right that's now. Not very reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> there there are some countries right now that are doing remarkably well. Yeah, um, China. China, China is really leading the charge. They have some tremendous airplanes, yeah, uh, uh, incredible weapons, and their their training is on par with ours these days. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, so, Velatu Swine, they're going to be at the Mac and Cheese Fest. This is going to be fun. Excited to have you back. Absolutely. Mac and Cheese Fest, that's going to be so rad. you excited? Uh, we are. Uh, Victoria and I were just talking about it yesterday. Nice. A little, uh, little Mac and Cheese. Uh, our normal rosé there will be there, the Tanat and Pinot blend. We also have the brand new oh. one we're releasing, which is that Primitivo. Nice. Brand it new. Is, uh, brand new. Uh, we we delayed it a little bit. It's a uh, it's a real wine. It, it's a fun rosé, but it's also a real wine. So we're Good. looking forward to releasing that to everybody and, and doing it at the Mac and Cheese Fest with you will be amazing. We're doing it seven days a week at Velatu's The Tasting Room? We are now, seven days a week. What does it, uh, how, what does it cost to taste? How do, do you need appointments? What's going on there? You know, we are see, 11 to 5 each day. Uh, We'll take appointments, but we'll also take walk-ins. We're, we're small enough that we're not going to turn anybody away. Yeah. It is a $20 tasting fee refunded with a single bottle purchase. Um, it's it's a pretty simple way, I think, to taste wine. Totally. And the lineup is delicious. Yeah, you make some great wines. I love your uh, I love your whites. I think got a couple whites, a few whites. Um, you got Roussan from Caliza. What a get. That's so great. You know, we're, we're incredibly fortunate to get that, that Viognier and Roussan mm-hmm. tomorrow. Uh, Andy and the boys down there. and. Uh, we we love it. We call it Cavu, which is an aviation term for ceiling and visibility unlimited. Nice. A beautiful bluebird flying day. Um, so yeah, the w- wines are pretty fun right now. Uh, you still fly? You know, I haven't I haven't flown a real airplane since I started teaching F thirty five simulator. Yeah, I don't like to mix and match uh, small airplanes and five. Yeah, because you were you were doing some stuff with that company with the smaller airplane. I was working for Icon. Yeah, teaching the A five, which is a uh, sexy little light sport seaplane. Uh-huh. It, that was fun. I think it looked cool. It was. It was awesome. I remember you showed me some videos on that. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's that's a great way. To, if you can't be military flying, that's a great way to fly. Yeah. Is it, is it hard to land on the water? Like you literally know, on like it, in that airplane, it wasn't too bad. It was actually really similar to the way you would land an F eighteen. Is that right? Yeah, I use what's called angle of attack, and it just you set it down pretty easily. Um, some of the movies, I didn't even mind the cheesy parts of Top Gun Maverick. Like you know, there's like in, you know, I mean, like, it's like he's like in there with his white t shirt, and he's like. Taking a lug wrench to just like some part of the plane, and then the story gets a little cheese here and there. But it was still, it still had all like the things about like old cinema that I remember as a kid that made you feel good. You know, I, I think it was a feel good movie. Yeah, and and that was apparent in the theater I was in. People were cheering and loved it, and there were some nostalgia pieces in there too. It was fun watching a, a full family, you know, multi generations go. We we had you know grandparents, parents, and their young kids all in there, and everybody's cheering and watching it, and. And even some of the hokey parts, every everybody liked it. Yeah, everyone was cheering along and felt good about it. It was nice to feel good with a group of people in a movie where everyone was like, yeah, you know, they yeah, cheered in the theater and stuff. That was, was pretty cool. It was pretty good. How's the wine business doing right now? Everyone's talking about inflation, this and that. I mean, I know it affects everybody. What is uh, what is of late with my brothers and sisters in the wine community? Yeah, I think I think we're seeing things slowing down just a little bit. Really? Every, everybody is impacted a bit by some fuel prices and, and, and food prices are up a bit. So... You know, wine being a luxury item, uh, we're, we're going to slow down. Uh, so we're, we're sitting back and seeing at this point what happens over the summer. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're prepped and ready. The beauty of wine is that if, if folks don't necessarily get it right now, it's it's not going to go bad in that bottle. Right. And in many cases, it's going to get better. So yeah. we'll, we'll sit back and, and wait until everything comes back. Well, they're up in seven days a week. Volatu, spelled V-O-L-A-T-U-S. Uh, he and um, Hal and Victoria have Volatu's Wines. 
How's making these wines? You're making over there right on Anderson Road at Richie's, right? We do. We still make it at Richie's place. At nice. Nice. Much love to Richie at midnight. And uh, check out what Velatus is doing seven days a week, 11 to 5. 11 to 5, is that right? 11 to 5. You bet. Uh, Make sure you check them out if you're going to the Mac and Cheese Fest. They're uh, there every year. Often, I think you guys are right next to Midnight Cellars. I think we uh, put we you guys make, next to we'll each make other. That happen. We'll be right next. Oh man, that's that could be <laughs> trouble. But it's going to be a lot of fun. The Mac and Cheese Fest this weekend. Uh, the Mac and Cheese Check out Velatus Wines. And then is it uh, the website for Velatus? Uh, you can do Velatus.wine, VelatusWine.com. You can even look up uh, Top Gun Wine, and you're going to find us. Nice Top Gun Wine. It's so cool. Well, so cool to have a real Top Gun instructor. In here, friend, Hal Schmidt, call sign Bull, F-18 fighter pilot. So neat. And so you really almost made me like the movie more after you kind of gave it that, like, yeah, they, this is pretty legit. They did a good job. They, they did a great job. And, you know, my kids will harass me a bit because initially when I walked out, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And then the more I've thought about it, but, you know, they did a, they did a killer job yeah. with that movie. And everybody left that theater excited. I still have a bottle of your 07 Top Gun Cuvée. That's an amazing wine. Right? That's an amazing wine. Yeah, it's also yeah. a rare wine. Right? I actually, yeah, I thought I opened the last one because I had two of them, and I thought I opened them both, but I guess uh, I had one left, and I found it about a couple weeks ago. I wanted to tell you that, so. Nice. Pretty cool. Well, thank you so much for coming in and sharing with me. How love, uh, thank you for your service, and love the conversation anytime. I love talking to you. Always fun, Adam. Appreciate it.